0: Welcome everyone to today's devotion. We're going to finish the book of First Peter, only five chapters. So uh, we start in Monday. We'll finish today. Um, so uh, Peter's writings are quite short. Second Peter is only three chapters. So whenever we, we get to it, I believe we're looking at the Gospel of John starting Monday, um, and that is uh, one of the longer books of the New Testament. So we'll be we'll be in First John so a little over four weeks. So. Um, but nevertheless, 1 Peter chapter 5 is a final exhortation, uh, it's a very practical chapter, it's a final exhortation to his readers and to the leaders uh, of those churches. So he says right away, I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed. Shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you receive the unfaithful crown of glory. Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to elders. Clothe yourself, all of you, with humility toward one another, for God opposes the proud, but gives gracious the humble. So he is speaking directly, first of all, to um, the elders of the local church. We've talked about this in our study of first Timothy and Titus. Uh, Elders, another word for elder is pastor. It's fascinating that the New Testament always speaks of plurality of elders, Uh, but other words are used in various translations and and traditions. Uh, Bishops, um, elders, pastors, shepherds, there's uh, overseers is another. There's a variety of terms. They all basically mean the same thing. In fact, I think it's Acts 20 that showed it, that shows these are interchangeable terms. Regardless, he he's speaking to the spiritual leaders of the church, and and he wants them uh, to shepherd the flock of God that is among you. A pastor is is one that um, takes care of sheep. Right? They're a shepherd. Um, so to pastor sheep, shepherd sheep. Um, he said that that is the calling of the elder to shepherd sheep and to do that it requires exercising oversight um willingly not not because you feel like you have to because you're called to it um and to do so not for shameful gain but with eagerness not with a domineering spirit um, but be an example to the flock Right, so so this is similar to what Paul does in the pastoral epistles where he, he zeroes in on elders and he says not just the qualifications, but what the job description involves. Uh, what does it look like to serve in this capacity? Um, and uh, um, so this is a call to the shepherds uh, of, of the local church, of the elders, of the pastors, that... Though there is great suffering, lead the people to greater holiness so that when they suffer, they will suffer well and persevere and to be a light for the cause of Christ. Right. Remember what we said in chapter four to do all things for the glory of God. Well, uh, then you will notice in verse four, when the chief shepherds of appears, you will receive uh, the unfading crown of glory. So notice what he does here is he says that your model for a shepherd is Christ himself. How did Christ uh, uh, pastor his disciples? How does Christ pastor people today? And, and that is your model. This has, been, this has been Peter's pattern throughout the book. Remember what we saw in chapter two, one of my favorite passages from the book, is that Peter looks at the cross, remember we talked about as Exemplar, that there Jesus demonstrates for us how to suffer well. Though reviled, he didn't revile in return. Though he was abused, he didn't respond with abuse. Though people said nasty things to him he didn't respond with with um, verbal uh, things to say But rather he suffered well for, for the cause of God um, and as should we so too Peter says here that our model for shepherding is Christ himself so let us then a uh, shepherd the way Christ is shepherding us and the way Christ shepherds in general but then notice he he flips in verse 5 you who are younger be subject to the elders uh so so there, there's an understanding that there is a responsibility of leadership from the elders that, that that must be submitted to which takes us back to chapters two and three particularly chapter three but at the same time there, there, there is uh, uh, while the shepherd is submitting himself to christ and and is uh, providing a godly model of, of of righteousness so to those under his authority should should do the same for for others he sees clothe yourself all of you with humility towards one another god opposes the proud gives grace to the humble so so humility is is the key ingredient to all of this godly leadership and godly membership and then starting in verse 6 down to verse 11 some really just final practical points um, that that are consistent with his exhortation towards holiness so humble yourselves therefore in the mighty hand of God so that at the proper time he may exalt you this is very uh, Jesus language isn't it where Jesus uh, flips everything on his head the last to be first the first to be last right uh, God exalts the humble but he humbles the exalted This is typical of, of uh, Jesus's rhetoric and Peter picks up on this um, which which bleeds from verse 5 that we shall walk in humility with one another so humble yourselves and in humility uh, you will be exhaust, uh, exhausted perhaps you'll be exalted in the end. Cast all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. That's probably a verse that many who may be watching this or listening to this need to highlight in their Bibles. Anxiety is to be laid at the feet of Jesus. Right? It can't be resolved with appeal or therapy. It can only be It can only be resolved through redemptive work of Christ, by which we lay all of our cares, all of our worries and stress and envy and bitterness and anxiety at the feet of Jesus. It's 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 that's the answer. Verse eight, be sober minded. Uh, he, He said the same thing. Uh, in chapter 4, Be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. It's interesting. The Bible uses the lion to describe both Christ in Revelation and Satan here in 1 Peter 5. I don't know what to do with that. Let's just do with that whatever you want. Verse 9, Resist him firm in your faith knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world now notice when he speaks of satan we 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 sometimes get crazy with it and so but this is a passage that that exemplifies the ordinary demonic as opposed to extraordinary demonic extraordinary demonic is what we usually think we see in the movies which is a lot of nonsense the ordinary demonic is really where our most of our attention should be notice here that spiritual warfare uh, to engage it with success begins with humility now that, that's how the passage starts humble yourselves before god and he will exalt you uh, pride is ordinary demonic that is that pride pulls us away from christ and and pulls us away from holiness and and leads a a a map of devastation so so satan uses pride after all his pride depending on your interpretation of ezekiel and isaiah that led to his own fall um so so too he uses pride today so if you want to engage in spiritual warfare it's not pumping yourself up in the morning to go fight the devil but but rather to grow in humility meekness and gentleness and kindness that is real spiritual warfare and it's good that we would see it that way. Being sober-minded, uh, casting your anxieties upon Christ, right? That is spiritual warfare. Why? Because Satan is, is, is roaming the earth like a lion looking to devour. And your anxieties, if left unsurrendered, becomes easy pickings for Satan. So this is the ordinary demonic. Lay like all of that feet of Jesus, as is suffering. Right. If we do not learn to suffer, well, here's a little secret about suffering is that you the decisions you make right now and how you prepare yourself will determine whether or not you suffer. Well, when that time comes, if you wait until the last minute to figure out what suffering is and how to persevere and how to suffer, well, you're not going to suffer well, but that process starts now. Verse 10 After you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. To him be dominion forever and ever. Amen. It's the same language we saw in chapter 4. To him be dominion forever and ever. Amen. But you'll notice here that Peter says the believer suffers with perseverance and endurance by holding fast to hope. Notice, you're going to surrender anxieties you're going to hold fast to hope in Christ. Give Christ your anxiety. Embrace the hope of Christ that he gives you. It's an exchange. Surrender anxiety. Embrace hope that we have in him. Well, that's first Peter in in a nutshell. Again, it's pursue holiness so that when the time comes, we will suffer well. But it begins with holiness and holiness begins by embracing the gospel of Christ. Speaking of the gospel, Lord Willem Monday will start the gospel of John, my favorite. So these may be getting a little longer. We'll cross that bridge when we get there. See you then.